Well, imagine I was to tell you to get out your phone and to type in ten words that you think best describe God or something about him. And imagine uh, that we could send all those words up to the computer up there and it would project onto the screen a word cloud of all the different words we've come up with. So if you're not sure what a word cloud is, look something a little bit like that. This is just a completely random one. Uh, but it looks a little bit like that. And what you can often get is that the words that uh, come up the most, uh, the most prominent, um, are then bigger on there. So you can see which ones are the most popular words. So imagine if we all did that, 10 words to describe God or something about him, and it all goes into the word cloud. What words would be the, the biggest? What words would be the words that immediately jump out at you? Maybe it'd be words like powerful, holy, merciful, loving, righteous, gracious, creator, omnipresent. People like the omnis, don't they? How about jealous? Well, it might be on there because some of you know your Bibles very well. It might also be on there because some of you might have seen the title and so it's on your mind. But I don't expect that jealousy would feature on many people's lists of things about God. Many people can't see how God would be jealous. Isn't jealousy wrong? Well, actually, I can prove to you that jealousy is wrong from God's word. On Thursday night, uh, John uh, led us briefly to Galatians 5 where it talks about the desires of the flesh. It says the desires of the flesh, which Paul tells us, are against the Spirit, so against God. These include, these desires of the flesh, which are against God, include immorality, idolatry, fits of anger, drunkenness, few others, and jealousy. Paul warns us in verse 21 that uh, people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how can God be jealous if people who are jealous and not them fit to be with him. In Romans 13, Paul includes jealousy in a list of what he calls the works of darkness. In contrast, he tells people to put on Christ. In James 3, verse 16, we're told this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And yet, God is described as being jealous. Some people find that too much to deal with. Oprah Winfrey, in an interview on, on YouTube, was talking about why she left Christianity. And uh, she heard the preacher talk about the omnipotence of God, and she thought, that's good. She heard about the omnipresence of God, and she thought, great. But then the preacher said about God being jealous. This is what she says. She says, something about that didn't feel right in my spirit because I believe that God is love and that God is in all things. Didn't feel right to her. How could God be jealous? How could a God of love feel jealousy for her? But God is a jealous God. And I know it, not just because it's something that feels right to me, but because he reveals himself as a jealous God time after time in his words. In fact, his word is packed 
with this theme of his jealousy. Some people are shocked at how many times it actually comes up in the Bible. God is described throughout the Bible as being jealous, throughout the Bible. It's not like it sort of pops up in some obscure verse in Zephaniah and scholars debate about the exact translation of it and what it means. No, jealousy is a key attribute of who God is. It's a key characteristic of God. And he wants us to be in no doubt about that. Let me give you a few brief references just so we get this, that God is a jealous God. Exodus 24 to 5, we had this read, um, but I'll read it briefly again. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Numbers 25, 10 to 11. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 32.6, They stirred him, that is God, to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. Joshua 24 verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. Psalm 78, 58, For they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. Ezekiel 39, 25, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and I will be jealous for my holy name. Jump into the New Testament, James 4, 4 to 5. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? There's a good number more that I could do. That was just a, a small selection, really. But would you get the picture? God is a jealous God in fact it's such a key part of who he is this is what he says in Exodus 34 verse 14 maybe you picked it up as John read it for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God that's what really struck me this week his name is jealous The Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Some of you have read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. God's jealousy has a whole chapter in that. It's a chapter that actually spurred me on to be thinking about what we're thinking about this evening. You know, if we're going to know God, we need to know his jealousy. If we don't know his jealousy, we don't really know God. We need to know who he is and why he does what he does. And it also has some pretty big implications uh, for us to think through. So how can we understand God's jealousy? There is a, a wrong sort of jealousy, clearly. We've thought about that a bit already. Dictionary definitions uh, define it as feelings of resentment against someone because of what another person has or has done. 
So we might be envious or jealous of people in the same way that Rachel was jealous of Leah in Genesis 30. Or when Joseph's brothers are jealous of Joseph in Genesis 37. But jealousy can be a good thing too. It can be good. J.I. Packer explains this. God's jealousy is not a compound of frustration, envy and spite, as human jealousy so often is, but appears instead as a praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious. A praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious. And what is that something so precious? It's his glory, his honour, his fame. See, God is a, a jealous God. He's jealous for something that should rightly belong to him. Glory, praise, fame, honour should belong to God and to God alone. Oh, God is jealous when we give those things to anything else. They belong to him. And it may sound selfish, self-obsessed even, but God is not one of us. God is not human. And actually, God being jealous for his glory, if we are on his side, is very, very good news for us. And I hope we'll see that very soon. Last week, if you were here, I know a few of you were away, but we looked at 1 Kings 18, the contest of the gods. The God of the Bible, Yahweh versus Baal on Mount Carmel. And Elijah challenged us. It's as if his voice boomed out of the Bible. How long are you going to limp between these two opinions? How long are you going to sit on the fence between the two gods? If Yahweh, if the, if the God of the Bible is God... Follow him. And we saw unmistakably, we saw emphatically that God is God. So we should follow him. I wonder if you were here last week and and you were sitting on the fence last week where you weren't committing your life to God because you kind of wanted other things as well. You sort of wanted God but you also, you don't want to give up other stuff as well. If you were sitting on the fence last week, have you started to follow God this week? He's shown he's God. Follow him. One of the lessons we picked out last week is that God will not share his throne with anyone, especially not idols. Idols that were created by people that he created. They created them out of things that he had created. And they were idols that cannot hear and answer prayer. We saw that so clearly, so dramatically last week. You see, God is actually being good to his people. He's being kind. He's showing up Baal for what he is. And he's showing them his power. And he's saying to the Israelites, look, don't, don't place your trust there. It's futile. Don't give your loyalty to the Baals. Put your trust in me. I'll give you true hope, true confidence, true joy. I've got the power and I didn't, get it to, I didn't get to it last week, but what happens after God wins the contest, do you remember? He sends rain. Rain in abundance. Rain after the land had been parched for years of no rain and famine. And so the whole country just bursts into life as the rain falls. And no one prays Baal as they might have done just beforehand. 
because they've all seen that Baal is no God at all. It is God that sends the rain. You see, part of God's glory is to reveal his love to us. He wants to bless us, even when we don't deserve it. He wants our good. But so often, so quickly, we chase anything but God. Do you notice uh, in the references uh, that I read earlier, just how many of them referred to idols? I won't go through all of them, of course, but just briefly, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods. See, the Old Testament is full of warnings about following idols and constant failings of God's people. They kept turning their hearts away from God. In Exodus 20, God gives them the, the Ten Commandments, the section that John read for us earlier. Earlier. This is what he says to them, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And yet, even as Moses is on the mountain, even as he's receiving the Ten Commandments, the people are down in the valley and they're making a golden calf and they're worshipping it. So what does God do? Well, in his mercy and his grace, he doesn't crush them. He gives them the commandments again. In Exodus 34, the second reading that we had, he promises that he will do great things for his people. He says, I'll do great things for you. Things you've never seen before. Things the world has never seen before. I'll do awesome things for you, the Bible tells us. He says, I'll drive out your enemies. I'll give you a covenant. I'll make my covenant with you that I will bless you, but you must destroy the idols and the altars that you come across that are to false gods so that you don't end up being snared by them. God puts it very bluntly. You might have noticed it in the reading. God says you've got to destroy those idols so that you don't whore after them, so that you don't prostitute yourself out to them. Because that's what they were doing. And God loves us with such a passion that it's, he causes people to be his wife. The jealousy that he feels uh, towards us when we, we go astray from him is the same that a husband would feel if their wife was flirting with other men. Imagine uh, a husband or a wife and they discover that their partner has been sending and receiving special gifts from uh, another man or woman. And then you look at their phone and it's just filled with message after message from the last few weeks from this person. You know, if you, as a partner, don't feel a sense of jealousy as you see that, there's something wrong with your love. You should feel jealousy. There, there should be a right sense of jealousy there. If you've ever been cheated on, you know just how painful that feeling is. That's the passionate feeling that God feels for his people. The passionate jealousy. He's called us to be his beautiful wife. This is what we see in Hosea 2, verses 19 to 20. This is God talking to his people. He says, And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. 
I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. In Isaiah 62, verse 5, it says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And then I was reading Isaiah 54, verse 5, just last night, and this jumped out of me. Verse 5, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. It carries on into the New Testament, this picture of God's people being his bride. We see the church as the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 27, So that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You see, Jesus came to this earth to love us, yes, but also to make us his bride. That is his great desire. That is his great passion, his great wish. We may not feel like it. We certainly don't deserve it. But that's what he's come to do. And as you get to Revelation, as we get this picture of the future, we see the the great wedding feast of the Lamb. And we see the, the wedding of the bridegroom Jesus as he marries the church, his people, us. When Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he says this in the second letter, chapter 11. He says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. See, Paul's feeling a godly jealousy for them because he he shared the message of Christ with them and it's as if he gave them to Christ to be pure, to be loyal to Christ. And yet he's concerned that they're being led away. He's concerned that they're being unfaithful to Jesus. And he's feeling this godly jealousy stirring up inside him. Back in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, Paul challenges his, he calls them beloved, his brothers and sisters in Christ, to flee from idolatry. What were they doing? Well, they were enjoying communion, like a lot of us did earlier today. They were remembering what Christ had done for them. They were celebrating their unity with Christ. But then, they were going to pagan feasts. Paul says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're you're saying that you're celebrating unity with Christ and then you're going to these pagan feasts and you're celebrating unity with these idols. And some of them were saying in their defence, they were saying, but Paul, you've shown us that these idols aren't real. They don't mean anything. So it doesn't matter. And Paul says, yes, those idols aren't real. They're not real gods. But actually what's going on is you're worshipping demons. You see, they were, they were going to the Lord's Supper and saying, Jesus is wonderful. And then they were going off and worshipping demons. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, you're provoking the Lord to jealousy. And it's just a challenge, isn't it, for those of us who were at communion earlier? Are we doing a, a similar thing? Maybe we're there at a communion on, on a Sunday afternoon. But the rest of the week, it's as if we're at pagan feasts, living a lifestyle that's just not compatible with God. Or maybe just living our life in such a way that the things, the good things, are just taking up so much time in our life that it's just not God off top spot. 
And we never really even think about God anymore. Remember when the lawyer asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what he said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is what God has been commanding all along. This is the positive way of saying it. Rather than flee from idolatry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what we're commanded to do. God is a jealous God. God is jealous for his name to be supreme over our lives, over this church, and over the world. So what does this mean for all of us? Just a few points to finish, really. What does this mean for all of us? Well, firstly, for those of you who do not follow Jesus, if we do not follow Jesus, what does this mean for us? There's a warning there's a warning you know God is God and he is jealous for his glory he will win in the end every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee will bow down before him and the Bible warns us it puts it very straight we are enemies of God if we do not follow him and you know the Bible says the wrath of God is coming And just as surely as it came multiple times in the Bible after it was promised, and each time it happened, so he's promised it again, that the wrath of God is coming on those who do not follow him. It's a warning. God will have his glory. God's name will be exalted. All who oppose him will be defeated. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? And if you're on the fence... We saw last week, you're not on God's side. But as we saw from Ella this morning, the beauty of it is that you can change sides. You know, all you have to do is repent. Follow Jesus. But what about if we do follow Jesus? So if we do follow Jesus, what for us? Well, there's a warning for us too so easy to follow idols isn't it be led astray we see the works of the flesh in Galatians 5 how easy it is to fall into those we see constant failure all throughout history it warns us you know we as people are just the same that is the temptation to constantly go astray we need to be warned we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us the power to follow him We need to encourage each other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, praying for each other, encouraging each one another, uh, challenging each other to live for Christ. Because if we don't, it's provoking God's jealousy. We sang, didn't we? As a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. I don't want to worship anything else but you, Lord. And maybe you feel, actually, if you're honest, maybe you can't sing that. We so easily go astray, don't we? Well, let's pray that that would be, for us as individuals and as a church, that would be our our greatest wish. To follow him, to love him with all our heart, soul, strength and mind.
So there's a warning for us. There's also a challenge for us. How jealous are you for God's glory and praise? How much do you care about God's name when it's being dragged through the mud? Does it motivate you? Jealousy for God's name and glory? Nehemiah, we've been looking at him in the mornings. It's been a little bit stilted recently because of different things. But we've been looking at him. He's a great example, isn't he, of someone who cares about God's glory, who's jealous for God's name. He was so upset when he heard about the state of Jerusalem. So upset. And what does he do when he's building the wall? He perseveres. Why? Because he cares about God's glory. He cares about God's name. He's jealous for it. And of course, Jesus is the best example. Do you remember when he he cleanses the temple of the people selling and buying? He says, well, it says of him, zeal for your house has consumed me. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Are we jealous for God's glory? Does it motivate us to do a good work? You may remember last Sunday morning, Nehemiah doing a good work. Well, does it motivate us to do a good work in order to restore God's name? It's a challenge. And then finally, encouragement. Encouragement. You know, I didn't read many uh, sort of references from these books, but Ezekiel, Joel, Nahum and Zephaniah, what we see is we see God's jealous anger against his enemies. And it's, it's an anger and a judgment that brings about the salvation of his people. You know, for those who follow him, God's jealousy for his own name, for his own glory, is good news because he will save his people. He will save us. Anything that gets in the way of God being glorified will be smashed down. And actually, Jesus has already won. Yeah, we haven't seen it in totality yet, but he's already won. Death couldn't stop him. He defeated the evil powers. We read in Colossians, don't we, where he's taken away the power of the accuser by cancelling the record of debt that stands against us. And soon he will return and the whole world will acknowledge him as king. And he will be our greatest delight, our greatest joy. We will be completely satisfied in him. As he is glorified, we will be so satisfied. We will be so content. And he will have all the glory. Well, we're going to finish by singing a song brings up some of these themes. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul. Can we sing that this evening? If not, let's pray it. My God, like you, there is no other. True delight is found in you alone. Your grace, a world too deep to fathom. Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom. My highest good and my unending need. Let's stand and sing.
jealous God and yet Lord there are warnings that come with it Lord we pray for any who are as yet enemies of you Lord we pray that they would turn and repent Lord that through your grace through your blood they can become children of God in your family Lord we pray that they would do that before it's too late Lord for those of us who publicly follow you already Lord forgive us for when we stray Lord, give us strength through your power to help us to love you more and more. Help us to see you as you are. Lord, may our delight, our satisfaction, our contentment be in you and you alone. And Lord, may your name be lifted up and glorified as it should be and as it one day will be. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.